0: What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John.
1: Oh, we've got our first two time guest on today's show. John Wilner and I are interviewing Bob Thompson, the retired president of Fox Sports Networks. I'm John Canzano. You can read me exclusively at johnconzano.com. Get a paid subscription. Get a free subscription. I always say whatever works for you works for me. I'm here with John Wilner, co-host of this podcast. You can read the Bay Area News Group Superstar at pack 12 hotlinecom Wilner, I'm excited to have Thompson on the show again.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's. I didn't expect, uh, right? We didn't. We didn't figure that six months after his first appearance, we'd have the same Same line of questioning, but uh, things have changed a little bit, and including on Bob's end, right? So we should be fully transparent here. There are a few topics related to uh, realignment and PAC-12 media rights deal that Bob can't address because of some consulting work he's doing. Uh, Those topics include uh, NIL and some of the media valuation he can't get into uh, but there's plenty more to talk to him about. We should just get right to it.
1: We're welcoming back Bob Thompson, the retired Fox sports networks president. He's been kind enough to join us. Um, It's been a while since we've had you on. There's been a lot to talk about Bob. Let's just, let's just start with, you know, are you surprised six months after your first appearance on this podcast that you're back on and the PAC 12 still doesn't have a deal?
0: Well, first of all, thanks for having me guys. A pleasure to be back. It's the first, New time visitor to your podcast. Am um, I surprised a little bit? But I don't think it's unheard of. Um, you know, if they if they hadn't come out and announced that they were going to start negotiating early, I think they'd still be in their exclusive negotiating window. Yeah, um, they've got eighteen months more or less to go. I think on their deal, year and a half, and so um, I guess what's surprising is that. You know, it's not done. I think everybody's a little surprised at that. But, you know, deals have a life of their own. Um, Some just take longer than others for a variety of reasons. Uh, New partners, new distribution models, a variety of factors can slow down the process. Could you explain how, like a hypothetical
2: example, how a new partner slows it down? Like, what are you actually talking about with a new partner? As opposed to just, you know, changing the the lifetime of the deal with a in a renewal situation, like what does it actually mean? You're going to pick a pick a company. Pac-12 is going to Amazon, going to Apple, whoever. What about
0: that? Takes longer. Well, a few things. Um, just the fact that it's a new partner um, and somebody in this case, if we're talking about one of those one of those entities doesn't have um, a ton of experience or a ton of um, related experience in the collegiate world which is slightly different than what you deal with in the professional world so the lawyers have very significant um, work to be done in terms of drafting agreements you have a variety of things related to selection process um, you know distribution prohibitions, distribution, uh, allowances, all those types of things that can get very, very uh, minute, uh, but still are very, very important. And for a first time uh, partner, it's uh, just, it just takes longer. If this was a deal or a renewal of a deal between say ESPN and, and Fox, it probably would likely just be an uh, extension or an amendment to an existing deal, as opposed to recreating the the wheel, so to speak. Uh, those can get done, you know, very very fast because the language is all there. All you have to do is change the dollars, and you know, if there's any selection process changes or any additional product added to the agreement that wasn't in the previous agreement, um, those things have changed pretty quickly. But you know, introducing a, a new partner, especially one that hasn't had experience with the conference in the past, just creates a whole different level of of. Um, minutia that has to be dealt with before before a deal can be announced.
1: Bob, you've been in these deals, you've negotiated them. You've been in those rooms and those discussions. How do the leaks and all the noise publicly, some of the negotiation that is happening publicly? How does that make it more challenging to get a deal or does
0: it? Well, I've always found that negotiating in public, uh, whether purposely or not, to be somewhat counterproductive to the process. It just, you know, it's it's just better if you have a, a handful of people who are involved, um, you know, sending messages back and forth through the media. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just not the best way to do it in my mind. Uh, I never participated in that. Did I have some deals leak ahead of time? Sure. Did I know who they came from? Sometimes I thought they were maybe from a competitor. Uh, maybe sometimes they were the, from the people I was negotiating with. Um, but I, I just preferred to kind of keep everything pretty close to the best. And when we were doing deals, you know, people might have an idea that we're talking with, you know, within our office, we're talking with other entities or a specific entity, but they probably didn't really know how, how far or how close we were to finalizing a deal. You think Twitter has changed the, the process in some ways? Yeah, I think social media has changed the process. The other thing that's changed the process is. The media started liking talking about and writing about the media, um, which was yeah. something that didn't really exist years ago. And some of it's probably been fueled by you know the likes of, of Access Hollywoods and Entertainment Tonights and and Twitter and Instagram and those type of things. Uh, it it really has become uh, you know there's sports media homeless now and there's you know people like me, we talk about this stuff on on Twitter and on, on podcasts. So I think it's that's that has been a big change compared to certainly the last time around uh, a lot of these collegiate deals were done back in the you know 2010-11 era. It also seems like
2: the media money is driving decisions to a greater extent than it used to. I don't know if that's because media revenue is now a greater portion of each school's overall athletic revenue, but it just seems like the the TV piece is a more important, a bigger driving force than it used to be.
0: I think you're correct, John. I think what it, what it allows people to do, especially as the numbers have gotten bigger and, and bigger over the years, it's a, it's something that's, uh, allows for easy comparisons. Yeah, And to say, you know, our numbers, this, and your numbers, this minus X. And so it's a, a quantifiable way for you know, conferences, fans of conferences, um, to, you know, make comparisons, whether, you know, sometimes I, I whether they're even on an apples to apples basis, I wonder, because. I have a problem with some sometimes how things are reported in that some conferences and some, you know, media, as well as, you know, amateurs uh, will report things that say, okay, the, the number was X. Well, is that just rights fees? Is that CFP money in there? Are NCNA credits in there? Is bull yep. money in there? You know, wh- what all is in that number? Whereas I believe uh, even though these numbers are not, Necessarily made totally public to people uh, by the conferences, I think it should just be you know let's just make it simple: average annual value of a rights agreement, and uh, that makes a very simple and easy comparison. Uh, keep the bowl money out. Keep the CFP money out. Sure, that's going to come out in the final distributions. And if people want to pour through conferences, tax returns, uh, which people seem to want to do, oh yeah, God, I love it. You, you, they could they could go <laughs> ahead and and, and certainly. Put forth their what they believe the total revenue distributions by conference, but they're all different. Some have some have uh conference networks. Some have conference networks that are just a revenue share. Some have conference networks where there's equity involved. There's all different scenarios of uh, which you know go into these total numbers that that the institutions and the conferences report. It just needs to be done on an apples to apples basis, and at, whether we ever get to that, you know, I'm, I might might just be dreaming, but I would hope that at some point that's how people would look at it. I'm curious about just
1: the overall health of live sports programming and the businesses. And we're seeing all these reports of layoffs with some of these streaming companies. And, you know, the overall health of the industry, how do you see that right now? And I guess what I'm getting at is, it, did it hurt the Pac-12 to, you know, not be in the market a little sooner uh, you know i guess the prevailing thought was hey they're going to wait they'll be the only ones right now in the marketplace but is the market healthy
0: right now i think the the market is you know it's not probably what it was six months ago you've had certain uh entities you know come out and <laughs> say very publicly that you know we need to take a look at what we're spending uh you know we, we can't afford to buy everything uh, we have some other deals coming up, um, you know, the, the UFC is coming up, NBA is coming up, NASCAR is coming up, college football playoffs are coming up, um, things like that, 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 you know, we can't own everything, so we have to be selective about what we do own. Um, so that, that that's very important because, you know, networks are looking for some level of certainty on their broadcast rights and what they're paying going forward over some period of time. And- mm-hmm with the what what's happened to the economy, you know, has certainly put a damper on what's going on right now. But you also have to remember that what people are buying right now doesn't even really go into effect for another year. And in the case of, say, the NBA and, and USC or NASCAR, I think it's not till 25. So you're kind of you're buying on you're, you're buying on the on the futures here in the sports market, sports television market. So you know, you, nobody has a crystal ball to be able to say, this is what the economy is going to look like in, in 12 months or 24 months, but you still know you have to play in the game. And if you want these rights, you're going to have to bid on them and you're probably going to you know, have to bid a bit more than you certainly thought about in the past, the question does, do people go crazy? And I think what you're going to see is and what's really kind of played out over the last, you know, five to six years is that the marquee products are going to get to see gains. You know, they're going to get um, nice increases. And because this value of sports programming, you know, live sports program is as good as it's ever been. Who's going to suffer are, you know, the less than marquee names. And they're going to have to learn to deal with, you know, get smaller increases or flat out deal with less. And that's just a reality of kind of the television business in general, as it, you know, shrinks and morphs and changes, um, certain are going to do better than others. And, you know, that's the way it is. Do you see
2: anything that suggests the value of live sports is not going to continue to increase over, over time? And, and within that piece, You know, the thing I I really am curious about is the is the streaming piece and how Apple and or Amazon may end up changing or impacting the market over the next
0: five, 10 years. Well, I think that certainly it makes sense for properties to have streaming as an element of their uh, offerings. Um, more and more people are cutting the cord. Um, more and more people are have never even had a cord. So you you need to be able to reach those people through whatever means they consume video. You know whether that's a cell phone, whether that's from a, a cable box, whether that's from your router on your uh, sitting next to your TV. All those things are very important. The question that you have to take into consideration is right now a very small amount of product is of sports content is viewed via streaming i've read as low as three to four percent so that means the bulk of it is still out there on traditional linear broadcaster cable um that number is going to change it's going to continue to change but you know how quickly is the question You know, people talked about you know, radio killing newspapers and TV killing radio and cable killing TV and streaming is not going to kill everything. Well, the fact of the matter is that's never happened. And mm-hmm. things take a lot longer to die than you always think they're going to take. So I hesitate to, <laughs> to say that, you know, streaming is not going to take over everything in the next five years. I think, you know, maybe the next round of TV deals, you take a look at it, but, and maybe you can structure your TV deals now to to make it such that um, as streaming grows or broadcast and, and cable uh, from a linear standpoint decline, you're able to to alter your your contracts and alter how you distribute your product. Uh, but for now, I think you know without a doubt, the the clear and, and best way to go is to have a, the broad reach of the linear cable and broadcast networks. But also augment it with uh, with some some streaming elements, uh, so that your your customers, regardless of how they consume their video, all have access to certain levels of product. So, it in theory, the Pac-12 could
2: reach an agreement in which, say, the 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 linear inventory decreases over time and the streaming inventory increases if if the partners are willing they could actually do that
0: huh if the partners are willing i don't know that the partners would be willing but i i I kind of offer that as a you know best case scenario because nobody has a crystal ball here i i can't tell you I, i i can tell you a couple things number one you know between disney espn paramount peacock and Warner Brothers Discovery, they lost $11 billion in streaming last year. That can't continue. That's it's just not a sustainable business model. Wall Street has done a 180. It used to be how many subscribers did you gain last quarter? Now it's how much money did, did you lose last quarter? And when are you gonna get to a profitable stamp, you know, profitable position? If these services, the streaming services actually had to charge based on, you know, getting to a break even process, you know, they're probably, over 30 bucks per sub month. And if you're, you know, even if you say cut back some product and you grow even further, continue to grow and say it's $20, okay, I've got four and that's $80. And then I pay $70 for my broadband because I'm not care, I'm not, I don't have the video product associated with my broadband provider. So they kind of ding me for a little extra on the broadband side. I'm at, you know, 150 bucks. Well, there's some pretty good packages out there for less than 150 bucks that have the, uh, you know, you get the full bundle and, you know, that's what seemed to have driven a lot of people away from the bundle and the cable operators and satellite is the cost. But when you start adding everything up together um, on the streaming side and you combine it with your broadband, it's a pretty good nut. Maybe it has something to do with the fact you're paying, you know, Four different $20 bill charges instead of yep. one, you know, $150 charge. So, you know, a lot of it just depends on how, how you look at it um, from a payment standpoint. But I think at some point, the cord cutting kind of levels off um, because there's a lot of people, myself among those, uh, just thinks it's think it's a better model. And I, I stream things, but I still find myself watching the majority of of my viewing on you know the the linear packages and the bundle package for me it's just easier now i'm sure there's other people who you know will say i'm just an old relic dinosaur but um i just think that's the best way for many people to do it and i think it's not going to go away entirely um anytime
2: soon Is it possible that Amazon and Apple take a little bit different view of sports rights on streaming because they are so big and, you know, for Amazon sports broadcasting is a way to get you to buy other products. So the, this revenue calculation for them is a little different.
0: That's part of it, without a doubt. Um, You know, if you look at, at Amazon, what it appears is they're being very selective, at least to this point of what they've bought, Um, you know, certainly within the United States, the the NFL was the big, the big purchase. Um, And then they have purchased other things around the world that are really top level properties, whether it be cricket in India or uh, the premier league in, in the United Kingdom, they've really gone for quality over quantity. Um, If you look at Apple, They've really kind of gone the other way. I mean, if you look at the MLS as as the model and the soccer package that launched last week, um they've gone kind of for some tonnage, but they're they're also hiding it behind uh a paywall uh or a you know, there's a secondary charge and you know, not unlike NFL Sunday ticket was. So, you know, they're they're all kind of testing and 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 seeing, you know, what the best fit is for them. Um, if you really just want to have a few top properties, you know, that's certainly the Amazon model. If, But if you're looking for say tonnage, you know, Amazon's talked about potentially starting a sports portal. Well, right now they don't have enough sports to start a sports portal. Um, and so they'd have to, you know, really get into the market, uh, and Apple, you know, they've, they've done some baseball and things like that. Um. So they're each going to take different approaches and they're kind of figuring out what the best way to to manage the total inventory that they have is and what the best way going forward is. None of these guys got to where they're at by, you know, flushing money down the drain. They're very big, smart companies. And the, the other thing they got to do is they got to get somebody to sell them something. You know, Amazon wanted the Big Ten really badly, but they didn't opt to go that way. And they may have offered more money. don't know this for a fact they may have offered more money than some of those who ultimately got it but it was it was determined by the conference and and uh and fox who's the conference's media partner that that was not the way that they wanted to go this time and they opted for the more you know you might call it old-time model of you know broad based over-the-air television reach and and which has worked very well for the nfl and I think is pretty much the model that the Big 10 has adopted.
1: Bob uh, we we've talked about the Pac-12 networks and maybe how the conference can monetize that that side hustle that they started all those years ago. Uh, how do you see that? What options are out there as far as turning that into revenue?
0: Well, you know, it's got some pretty good coverage in on the West Coast. It would be nice if they had a direct TV uh type deal. Um And as a direct TV subscriber, I would would really enjoy being able to watch it uh, other than at (laughs) my friend's house. So um, a couple of things. Number one, I I go to one feed immediately. You don't need the state feeds. You're going to lose one in Southern California anyway, unless you're going to log one should they add San Diego State back in. Um, I just go to a single feed. And if you have excess content, just stream it. Stream it on Pac12Networks.com. You don't need to have the cost of, you know, five transponders, six transponders and and master controls and the associated overhead that goes along with that. So that would be number one. Number two, you know, you could turn it into kind of a, let's call it a content factory. So that, you know, I'm sure all of these schools are producing an an amazing amount of online, you know, social media clips, Instagram clips, things for their websites. And the PAC-12 could easily become kind of the hub to the Pac-12 Networks could become the hub to handle all that real real easily. So I think there's some things they can do. Um, you know, Also, if it gets to a situation where Apple or Amazon are partners, it could be their production arm, just as the MLS is for Apple on uh, the soccer and the Major League Baseball Network uh, production handled the Apple baseball package and more or less NBC handled the uh, Amazon Thursday night football package.
1: Is there, is there good money in that? I mean, if if they say, hey, look, we're the ultimate side hustle is we're going to start producing other content for Apple or other content for Amazon, uh, and in the end, does this con- does the conference look smart for you know through all the frustration they turn that into some revenue at the end?
0: I think it could be turned into revenue as in that you include it as a cost of you know it's in the right it's embedded in the rights deal. That was certainly one way to do it. The other would be, you know, just on a straight rate card basis, where you you know lease out your your time uh, to whoever the providers are. So there's a there's a variety of ways you could you could certainly uh, structure it. Is it going to be a huge cash cow? No, but would it help alleviate you know some pain that that uh, the conference might f- be feeling as a result of you know having this entity out there? Um, as part of a, you know, it's just as strictly a cost, cost item, you know, it becomes something that's revenue generating as well. Yeah, let me uh, one follow up there.
1: You know, they, they had the Comcast overpayment fiasco that you know the head of the network and the CFO get get uh, fired. It, could that cause a delay in this negotiation? As you saw that from the outside looking in, is is that the kind that causes a delay, or is that just a it, hey that ha- that's another. Th- headache that's going on at the same time
0: well it's a headache no doubt but i think it can be you know pretty easily taken care of I mean, first of all the it, existing um the 50 million dollars that's kind of on they're on the hook for now they're going to pay back to comcast the the conference is going to have to assume complete responsibility for that and certainly if somebody buys the pac-12 networks the confer- they are going to ask the conference to, you know, say that they will take care of it and indemnify them against any, you know, legal recourse that Comcast or anybody else may have as a result of of that uh, discrepancy. Then going forward, though, you have to keep in mind that, regardless of how long it occurred, there's five million dollars less in billings than there was thought to be. So besides having to pay the five, the fifty million back you still are short 5 million on a yearly basis and so when you know say someone is actually purchasing this we've just seen the PAC 12 networks which I have no idea if that's in fact the case but if I was I would say okay we'll need a reduction because purchases like that are usually based on a multiple of cash flow that the entity produces and that entity is now five million dollars less on a yearly basis and that's just come straight off the bottom line because You know it's it's this revenue that everybody thought was there and it just disappeared and so um that would certainly require a um change in whatever that purchase price was would definitely be reduced is there such a thing as
2: buyer fatigue i mean the pac-12 has been going at this since july i think that they had a i think they were bound to a 90-day exclusive negotiating window with with fox and espn for the packages that each of those networks owned, the Pac-12 networks inventory, I think, was probably available on the market all along. But if it goes this long, can you can you get to the point where buyers are just they're just tired and you end up losing
0: momentum, so
2: to speak? If if you're the Pac-12, uh,
0: without a doubt, I mean, uh, deals can go stale. Yeah, um, we we all just get tired of talking about it, and so you know, and maybe there's other things more pressing, and you move on to those. And then, you know, it's usually good for everybody to have a you know a little timeout and and step away from the table, and then you know usually you come back and and get back to the task at hand. But yeah, it's it's certainly a possibility that there's some fatigue, um, but I also think that you know so, something's going on because. Um, you know, it was it was very quiet. I'll I'll give the Pac-12 credit; um, they kept a pretty good lid on everything that was going on throughout this process, and it was almost surprisingly so. There was lots of other people who who were leaking things for for whatever reasons, but the Pac-12 kept it very quiet. But you've seen over the last you know few weeks, and you know, John Wilner, you had you had uh, President Schultz on from from Washington State, who's probably as connected as they go you know he's on the executive committee and he understands sports there's no doubt about that um john canzano you had the new osu president um there's the reason these people are all of a sudden making public comments when many people weren't for a number of weeks and then you had the ad at arizona state kind of come out of nowhere the other day so you know are these people doing this on their own or somebody said go ahead and you know giving them the green light to maybe." You know, put some things out there that might get some people to think we're close to doing a deal. um, That's very possible. The flip side to that is if they're now talking about it, people are getting expectations because every one of these people have brought up, well, we ought to have something here in a few weeks. If it doesn't happen in a few weeks, now they've created this false level and it could be, you know, oh my God it's, it's, it's not going to happen because these people were saying it's going to happen in a few weeks. And if they, if they thought that, and it's not going to happen and it doesn't happen, then it's never going to happen. So that's the flip side. So that's why I think maybe there is actually, you know, some level of, you know, coming to a conclusion on this thing, which I think everybody would be really thankful for.
1: Uh, I get a daily, I get uh, a barrage of questions about expansion teams and you know, you, again, you've been in on these deals. It, if the Pac-12 is going to add teams, add inventory in college football, would that be something that the media partners are clued into in front of the deal? Would they, you know, how how formalized is that? Because that kind of helps us form a timeline and answer the question, hey, media rights deal expansion or expansion media rights deal, what's the order of operations?
0: I think, you know, certainly um... – The television partners have been consulted uh, as it relates to expansion, because the conference is going to want to know, you know, two things. Number one, are they willing to pay any additional for that extra inventory that say two new schools would bring? And number two, how much? And because the last thing that, you know, the conference wants is to get down the road, add the teams and the TV guys say, well, sorry, we don't think they're worth anything. And so, I think that's why you probably started to see some, you know, some leaks occur as it relates to uh, potential expansion, and the commissioner show up, you know, at a basketball game at SMU, <laughs> so you know it became a little bit more public, which you know tells me either the TV folks have said, you know, we want to know who you're going to add, and this is what we're prepared to pay for them should you add them, and also you know we need to know is is there going to be 12 teams worth of inventory or is there going to be just 10 teams worth of inventory
2: is there do you see uh let me start over i i've thought that the friday night window is you know there've been a bunch of games on friday nights in the last, past few seasons that seems to be a a competition free spot at least you know no nfl uh no other college games do you see that as having some value for the Pac 12 if they tried to work out a deal where they're playing at seven o'clock every Friday night, whether it's on Amazon that could promote it coming off the Thursday night NFL game or whether it's
0: ESPN
2: uh, going for that one? Do you see Friday nights as something of value?
0: I really do. I think that's a, a very good point. You know, in certain areas, um, you know, let's call it huge high school foot, football um, areas. It's kind of always been a gentleman's agreement where you don't run. You don't play games up against the high schools. You know, uh, that's where you get near recruits. That's, you know, that's Friday night is high school night in certain parts of the country though, where it's not quite as big of a deal. I think it makes total sense to, to view that as a potential, um, a potential window for, for the black 12. I think, as you mentioned, John Wilner, the uh, the potential for promoting a Pac-12 football game, you know, for four hours on a Thursday night as part of the NFL game would be huge. I mean, and that you know that's kind of the the, the type of thing that that Amazon appears to be looking for. So uh, I think it would be a great idea. I think uh, you know it also could lead into. You know, a cross promotion for the game on Saturday night at 730 Pacific as well. So there's a and you'll see that you wait till the when the Big Ten starts starts promoting how they will cross promote those three networks along with FS1 and the Big Ten network. They will constantly cross promote each other. Uh, starting at noon, you know, with the the Fox the Fox game to the three thirty game to the seven thirty game, and if there's a ten thirty Pacific game in the Big Ten package, which there will be on certain weeks, um, they'll they'll just constantly promote and cross promote. So, I, I think it, it would be great if ultimately what the Pac-12 ends up with is something very similar to that, so that they can, you know, find some nice windows that are kind of um, not used by others. And that's for more or less, for all intents and purposes, excuse me, is the 730 Pacific window. And so I think it would be a very wise thing to do. And I, I hope that's something they look at. And to do that, they probably need
2: more inventory to prevent teams. If they're 10-team league and you're, they're playing every Friday night, you're going to be playing a lot more often than if it's a 12-team league, right? So that's a, that would be an, an example of a case for adding schools for the inventory need.
0: Exactly. That's... You don't want to, um, you know, I, probably one of the reasons that the Big 12 conference is looking potentially, as as the commissioner stated, for a Pacific time zone school is for that late window. And also because they don't want to have BYU play every home game at eight o'clock mountain, which is, you know, that's seven Pacific. So it's kind of the same window. But, you know, BYU is not going to want to play every home game at night. It gets cold right. in Provo. <laughs> Bob,
1: let me ask you about, you know, I'll stay on the expansion beat here. The San Diego State, I think it's, you know, like 1.13 million TV households in San Diego and Dallas-Fort Worth, a whole bunch more. But when I put those things out there, uh, I met sometimes with people who say, yeah, but those teams don't rate in those markets. Can you speak a little bit to that from a TV perspective? The TV households versus the ratings conversation that's been going on probably for six months now.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, it is as a television guy, I always look at numbers. I'm gonna look you know, I'm gonna certainly look at market size, I'm gonna look at ratings, but, you know, with college, it's slightly different. You know, the, the rivalries, the um, yeah, things like that are, are just as important as numbers. You know, big games are always gonna rate Certain conferences are gonna rate better than others. It's just the way it is. You're gonna rate better on broadcast networks than you are on on cable, and you're gonna rate better on ESPN than you are on ESPN2. That's just kind of how it works, and it's been proven over the years. I think what you're looking for though with expansion is you you are looking for more along the lines of things like certainly market size, but culture, uh, academic fit, um, you know, who, who are the potential, um, rivalry games with how, you know, what's the commitment to, to collegiate sports at each individual institution, things that go well beyond just the market size. So I don't, I don't know that, you know, just because they don't rate, you know, it's no big deal. Look, UCLA doesn't really rate that well in, U, in LA and uh, Rutgers doesn't rate in New York city. So I, I can you know, point out a lot of places where uh rate you know, market size is important, even though the ratings are are kind of minuscule.
2: Bob, you have provided a great service on Twitter for the last seven months as a voice of reason and and unmatched insight into the the media piece of realignment. But I have also seen a couple instances where it looks like you're you're done on Twitter. And then a week or two later, it seems like you're coming back. Are, are you, tell me you don't have plans to abandon Twitter altogether.
0: No, 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 no. It's it's, it's a good pastime these days. Um, <laughs> I found out, one thing I found out is you can't play golf five times a week when you get to be my age. So I got to find something else to do. And, and part of that is I've taken on some, some employment uh, situations with my consulting firm. And I have to be a little bit more careful as to how I uh, approach things. And so in many cases, I'm given, you know, I explained to the attorneys that I've been active on Twitter and, and most of them do it. And in a couple of cases, that's why they called me because uh, they must have thought I had something to say that was worthwhile. And so they'll provide me with a list kind of the things I can talk about and can't talk about. So there's some things, you know, as it relates to the college world, I just can't talk about. But the good thing is, you know, now it seems like the whole regional sports network, big business is at peril. And so yep. I can talk about that instead.
1: <laughs> it, it's interesting. And after a basketball game, I'll ask a basketball coach, I'll say, where do your eyes go on the box score after the game? And some coaches will say, I, I want to know how many free throws we shot, or I want to know what the rebounding disparity was. W- where will Bob Thompson's eyes go on the box score for the Pac-12's media deal. What are you interested in knowing?
0: Well, the structure is going to be the most important thing. I mean, to me that's almost as important as the dollars. You know where the games are going to be seen and at what times. You know what are the various windows, who's got what and when. Uh the dollars you know is certainly important and and we'll be able to figure it out at some point, but it will probably take some a few a few hours at least of, you know, deconstruction. To try and figure out where where all the 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 dollars are buried. So that, that's probably what I'll look at more than anything. Um you know, certainly gonna want to look at total events, not just football. It's the whole, you know, you're, you're buying the whole package here, and you also want to look at what's gonna ultimately um happen with the Pac 12 networks and what kind of a load they get out of the deal, if you know, or is is it does it change?
1: tremendous public service and i i appreciate you educating us educating so many of our listeners and and the voice you've been on twitter and uh in my pieces as well bob so thank you for doing this interview and yeah you're the you're the first repeat guest uh wilner we should have a t-shirt or something we give to uh people who are two-time guests
2: there we go the bob I mean, yeah t- i love no, that no. one it, it, it's fantastic bob <laughs> i'm a you know sports media junkie in terms of the the you know, the bigger uh, issues uh, and the way the business is going. And it's just fascinating to listen to you. And I'd love to have you on again in six months. I just hope we're not asking you about the Pac-12 signing a deal at that point, because um, that won't be good for my health if it's still going on.
0: Yeah. If if that's still going on, we're probably going to be having a different kind of discussion about the yep. Pac-12. Yes, we will.
1: Bob Thompson, thank you. All right, you.
0: guys. Thank you. Thanks a ton, Enjoyed Bob. Enjoyed it. Have a
2: good week.
1: John Wilner, what did you think there Bob Thompson's second visit on this program?
2: Yeah, the yeah the first two the first repeat. Uh, you know he's bottomless well of knowledge with regard to how the the media deals work and and the fact all the factors that have to be considered that you know we don't necessarily think about when we're writing articles and. On Twitter, you know, it's just the perspective is is so I think so vital for this ongoing discussion and for even for folks who don't have a, you know, uh, aren't Pac-12 fans or Big 12 fans or Big Ten fans. It's just important because the sports media industry is changing the way we experience
1: sports. And I I keep saying to people, you know, you need to read and listen to people who are sourced. And I think this is a great example in this podcast of. You know, you and I don't have all the answers on this stuff, but what I think we, we aim to do is, uh, you know, I aim to find the answers. And so I think there's no better resource to talk about a meteorites deal than Bob Thompson, who negotiated the last Pac-12 deal on behalf of Fox Sports Network. So I think that's what I'm talking about, because I've had people reach out and say, well, what do you mean by source? Because you'll see people say, sources say. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ability to get a guest like Bob Thompson or Greg Sankey, or George Kleofkoff, or Brett Yormark, as we have had on this podcast, and just drill down on the issues. And so I hope people who are listening subscribe to this podcast. I hope they read John Wilner at Pac12Hotline.com. I hope they read me at JohnKonzano.com. Get a free subscription, get a paid subscription, whatever works for you. Um, and, you know, you are gonna you're going to get the answers and get the information that you need. I feel smarter after that talk with Bob Thompson. I hope our listeners do, too. Thanks very much, everybody.